Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. a blessing. What I appreciate about them is that uh, this isn't about performing for you. It's about leading you. And um, they are a gifted group of people. Um, we, we are blessed here at Real Life. But again, it's, it's, not, it's not that... Um, we are blessed with great musicians. We are blessed with people with great hearts. And it's not just a music team. It's, it's people who serve in the, in the booth in the back. It's people who serve uh, behind the counter there in the cafe. It's people who serve in the nursery and children's ministry and youth ministry and, 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 and front doors and all this kind of stuff. I, that last song is a song that um, I love because it reminds me that we have a story. Um, and I don't know what your story is yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, it's going to take us some time of sitting down and hearing your, your hearts and, and journeying with you through rough times and good times and all that kind of stuff. But, but you have a story. And o- over the next few weeks, um, Christy and I are going to be um, drawing our attention uh, to a, a couple narratives in Scripture uh, that all center around uh, tables tables are something that i have come to love and i don't know that i i really understood how much i love them until um we sold our last table in michigan uh we sold it someone came up uh, and bought it and we helped them move it out to their truck and i had a moment where i was like i just lost a baby um, because tables are important. And growing up, I have had the opportunity to have a few tables that, that stick in my mind. They're tables around which uh, things happened. Lives were changed. Lives were, were shared. Meals were shared. And, and, and I remember, I grew up on the mission field. Uh, my parents were missionaries in Hong Kong. And we spent 12 years there. And it was amazing. I loved every minute of it. I'm so blessed that this is a church that sends people. Um, and, uh, and so I resonate with that. But, but I remember in the Chinese culture, meals are really important. And we would gather with our Chinese brothers and sisters uh, around big tables. Um, and as a kid, it seemed like those meals went on forever. And, and I, they probably aren't as long as I, I remember. But uh, we, people would gather to eat, and they would just linger. There was no rush. Uh, they would talk, and I, I could, under, uh, could not understand a word they were saying, but I, I knew something was special was happening because there was laughter, and there was joy in their faces. And, and, and we would just 
we, we, we would share life there together. Well, one of our churches was an international congregation that was made up primarily of Filipino um, maids, uh, most of them ladies who came over from the Philippines to Hong Kong to work uh, in homes and make more money there than they could as doctors in the Philippines. Um, and after our services, they would not go home. They would just linger around tables. They would cook food together, and they would share life. Tables were significant. I, I remember growing up uh, in the summers, I would do my best to get back to the farm. I don't know if your family has a farm, uh, but uh, it was the place that my grandparents raised about 80 head of dairy cattle and a lot of, uh, a lot of fields around where they, 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 they did the work in the fields. But I remember... Um, I remember that table. I was formed and shaped at that table. Grandpa corrected me at that table. Um, we were taught how to respect grandma. We ate some amazing food. My grandma was a cook. Wow. Uh, but it wasn't just about the food. It was about the people that sat around that table. Grandpa, um, we always had to punctuate every meal with ice cream. Oh, I remember that. I, I remember that table, um, the, the phone, in, the one phone in the house. This was before cell phones. You know, for those of you on the younger end of life, uh, can you imagine that life without your cell phone? But we, there was a phone on the wall that you would take off, and there was a really long cord that you could, like, stretch to other rooms. You know, there was no freedom there. Everyone was up in your business. Um, um, I can tell you stories, but I'm not going to. Um, but it was at that table where, where I learned how to can vegetables. Um, uh, there were things done on that table that, that formed and shaped me. And, and, and tables have been significant. I remember uh, it was one of our first Thanksgivings in our first home after we graduated college and moved, moved on into ministry. And my parents had come, my sister was there, and several uh, friends from around the world had gathered. And I remember sitting at the end of the table looking at those who had gathered. And I was amazed that the world had come together at my table. Those people, I had I, only met them um, just then. But um, they had become a part of who I am. My story now includes them. And I, I, I think about all the other times that we have shared life around tables with people. They are now a part of who I am. I don't know if you realize this, but the, the people that you sit around tables with become a part of who you are. Yeah. Their life becomes intertwined with your life. And sometimes that's, that's something that we cherish. That's something we rejoice about. Sometimes it's tough. Because the conversations and the life that's shared there sometimes is not easy. I, I remember um, the first Thanksgiving. Um, Chrissy's shaking her head because she knows the story I'm going to tell. <laughs> the first Thanksgiving that I shared with Christy's family around their dinner table. Um, we had uh, been cooking all day. We sat down. We had the meal. Um, and we prayed for it. And we passed all of the goodness around. And... Um, they were beginning to eat, and I leaned over to Christy and I said, where's the gravy? She says, gravy? We don't do gravy here. That was almost a deal breaker for me. 
you know, the table that I was used to had gravy on it. They would just smother everything in. And, and, uh, and it was just an interesting comment that I, I think is important for us to, to recognize that sometimes what happens at one table doesn't happen at another table. And as, as we're going to be digging into some, some, some stories about tables and Jesus and the kind of things that happen at them, I, I want us to recognize that there are people that you pass every day that need to sit at your table because your story has something to offer them. But I think it's also interesting that sometimes we need to go sit at other people's tables. Now, it might be a little awkward just to sit down at someone's table at Slim Chicken or wherever you may go. But, um, but, but, but consider this. Sometimes you need to sit at someone else's table because their life has something to contribute to your life. So as we consider all of these tables, I, I want to ask you this question. What do tables mean to you? I, I'm hoping... Um, and this is one of my biases that I'm going to just kind of reveal to you is this. Um, tables are extremely important. And I hope that as a church, we spend a lot of time around tables. Whether it's here in this space or in your homes or, or at restaurants or wherever the case may be, I hope that we can spend a lot of time around tables because I believe that history hinges on what happens at tables. Growing up, one of the, uh, the legends that captured my attention was the legend of King Arthur. And the Knights of the Round Table. Uh, and what intrigued me was that it seemed like all of Camelot hinged on what happened around that table when King Arthur and the knights would gather to discuss and to debate and to plan and to, to order things. That table was important. I hope that you can have a table in your life that is not just a place that stuff gets piled. I know we all have those. And it's not a place that um, meals are quickly eaten at. But it's a place at which your life is transformed. Yesterday, um, I was working on a few things, sitting in. I have a, a recliner, and I was sitting in it. And um, I looked over, and um, Christy and Jace were playing a game together at a table our table. I hope that in the next few weeks we can consider the importance of tables in our lives. And I hope that as we hear about what God likes to do at tables that we might encounter those same things in our lives. And it could just be that as we scratch the surface of table talk that God might blow your mind about what he wants to do at tables. One of the most challenging aspects of Christianity has been the explanation of what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, how is it that God is both one and three at the same time? That, that just doesn't add up. Math doesn't work when you're talking about the Trinity. And Christians have for decades and centuries been trying to articulate well what it means um, to understand that God is both one and three at the same time. There have been great videos that have, have been put out there. There have been great books that have been written. Um, this has just been one of those things that has captured the attention of people for a long time. 
It was early in the 15th century that a man by the name of Andrei Rublev, who was a famous Russian painter, um, created what has come to be known as Rublev's Trinity. It's pictured here, um, and th this by far does not do it justice. I, I would encourage you to Google this uh, in your free time and take a look at what is happening in this. What, it's what they call an icon. Now, icons have been these things that have uh, had a lot of debate within the Christian church because for some, uh, they understand icons as being idolatrous. You know, people worship icons, and that's not what we're talking about here. This isn't an idol. This is a picture that has meaning within it. And, and icons, best understood, are pictures or paintings or creations that if you, were, if you can spend a little bit of time and, and kind of place yourself in the picture or, or look through the picture to what is being said, it's going to help you in, in the faith in, in this situation. So pictured here in Rublev's icon uh, are the three angels that met with Abraham at the Oaks of, of Mamre that we find in Genesis, I believe it's 18. Uh, and they're gathered around a table. Um, this icon, uh, thus the name Trinity, uh, has become one of those things that the Christian church has seen as a depiction of, of how we understand God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you'll notice, what are they sitting around? Uh, table, yeah. Um, and, and what's interesting about this table is that somehow, in some way, in some shape, uh, we understand the Trinity better when we consider the table. Um, there's, there's actually a science to this. There's a lot of uh, symbolism and, and significance in this that if you'll do a little bit of reading, you'll start to see what I'm talking about. We're not going to talk about that right now. But one of the things that we find here is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all sitting around a table together. That's the first important point about tables. Tables are meant to be sat at together. There are times when you will recognize that you are at a table alone and there's something that stirs in you wishing that there might be someone to share that table with. Now, some of you who are the uh, introverts uh, among us, uh, you, you just like your time at a table. But I can guarantee you this, you would not want to live your life alone at a table. At some point, you need to be recognized by others. Now, as we recognize the Trinity, uh, and as we try to explain it, let me just boil it down to one thing that I want you to take away. When you hear the word Trinity, I want you to hear the word relationship. I, I want you to con conceptualize in your heart and your mind um, a, a certain kind of relationship that is different than anything else out there. That at this table, in this relationship, you have God that is completely um, the, the, the Father is completely sharing life with the Son. The Son is completely sharing life with the Spirit. And the Spirit is completely sharing life with the Father. They are completed. They are made whole together. And so it's not that you can like parcel them out and say, well, that was, that's, that's Jesus doing Jesus' thing. No, no. They are at their best when they are together at the table. Uh, th this, uh, there's, some, uh, there's some circles in this picture um, around their heads, and, and actually, if you look deeper into the picture, you'll notice that uh, the, the three figures create a circle in and of themselves. 
They complete each other. They pick up where the other leaves off. They leave off where the other picks up. And you find this relationship that can only be had at the table. Now, we had a table made for us. Uh, there was a guy, a local guy in town, he makes tables. And um, it, it's kind of a rustic type of look, and it's really, really cool. And um, uh, My favorite kind of tables are not rectangular. Sometimes that's just the way it has to be, right? But my favorite tables are round tables. Because as you look across, you look at the other people. You become a part of everyone at that table. You are noticed by them and you notice them. We share life around the table. And so as we think about Rublev's Trinity, we think about the fact that we are to be a people in some way, shape, or form who are relational. In Genesis, we find these words, um, and let us, the Trinity, let us create them in our image. Well, is that a, a male image? Is that a female image? Is that a, some other kind of image? It's not about that at all. It's about the relationship. We were created to be in relationship with others. And first and foremost, we were created to be in relationship with God. Creation draws us in to the nature of the Trinity. We are drawn into this reality that God is one and wants us to be a part of that. So when we think about the stories around tables in Scripture, and it's throughout Scripture, it's not just in the New Testament, it's not just about Jesus, tables are important. And so when you're reading through Scripture and you find a table, stop. Think about what's happening at that table because it may just change your life. So this morning, I, I want us to, to dig into a passage of Scripture in Luke, Luke's Gospel, in the account, uh, Luke's account of Jesus' life, and I want us to just read this story. Um, of, of, of a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And we find this in Luke chapter 19. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus! He said, quickly, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. That's odd. How many of you like it when people invite themselves over to your house? Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I love that line, if I have cheated people on my taxes, yeah, um, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Did you know um, that before Zacchaeus became a tax collector, he had considered the ministry? Um, yeah, you see, people were pretty excited when they heard about this because they figured that 
if Zacchaeus was going to become a minister, his messages were going to be really, really short. Not really. Here's, here's another one. Uh, did you know that Zacchaeus loved video games? He did. Uh, but you see, he's not an Xbox man. He's not a PlayStation man. He's a Wii man. <laughs> Luke, Luke lets us in on Zacchaeus' life change. That's the point of this story. It's not about who gathers who. It's, not a bit, it's about life change. And at the table in Zacchaeus' home that day, he encountered life change. Zacchaeus wasn't planning on it that day, but Jesus rocked his world. Jesus called him out from just being a spectator, an observer from a distance, and said, I want to be up in your business. I want to come to your house. I want to be included in your life. Let me come. Zacchaeus must have been ready for that because he jumps down out of the sycamore tree. He takes Jesus home. And, and, and the next part of the story we read is that he, he turns around. He repents. Now, we don't see that word here. Zacchaeus never says, I repent of my sins, Jesus. But what we find is the exact definition of repentance. It's something that you and I probably need to wrestle with from time to time. What does it mean to repent? It means to turn around. It means to recognize the error of our ways. It means to recognize that we've, there's a better way, God's way. And it just so happens that the way that I've been choosing, my way, it's just not getting it done. So Zacchaeus re realizes it that day. Zacchaeus turns around. And it's not just a, a lip service that he gives to this. Zacchaeus repents of his sins, of the life that he's been living, and he makes amends. What's interesting about this passage is that his repentance is not just a, a casual thing. It costs him a lot. But never in this passage do we read that Zacchaeus debates about what to do. See, when we find ourselves at tables with Jesus... There's no question in our minds about what needs to happen. The thing we have to wrestle with, though, is are we willing to do that which we know we should do? Every one of us has this um, created part of who we are that just yearns for God. It, it yearns for the wholeness and completeness that can only be found at a table with Jesus. And in our honest moments, our, our, our most honest periods in our life, we know what we need to do. We know when things are missing. We know when things aren't the way they're supposed to be. We know when relationships are broken. We know these things. The question is, what are we going to do about them? But I, I would suggest that Zacchaeus would say, do what I do. Recognize the error of our ways. And the kind of life that Jesus has for you. I would suggest this also. What happens at tables takes preparation. Um, Christy and I, every year, we uh, invite the board and staff over to our house for a meal. That takes preparation. So uh, this week, we've been preparing our home. We've been preparing a menu. We've been preparing these things that we're going to do together. 
um, and um, it takes preparation. Zacchaeus had been prepared for this encounter. How do I know that? Because he recognized who Jesus was, and he knew that Jesus had something to offer. That's what sent him up to that tree that day. And when Jesus recognized him, Zacchaeus had been prepared for the encounter. I want to ask you, how are you preparing for the encounters that Jesus wants to have with you? In what ways are you directing your attention to this Jesus? In what ways are you um, helping prepare other people to encounter this? The good thing about, here's a word that um, has all sorts of meanings, but the word evangelism. Some people hate the word. Some people love the word. I, but for, let's forget the word for a second, but let's talk about the principle of it. Sharing life with people in such a way that they are ready to encounter Jesus. It takes preparation. I've been talking to some of you this week, and I've been so excited to hear the ways in which you are sharing life with others. Now, for some of them, it's happening at tables. For others, it's just, it's figurative tables. But you are sharing life with people in such a way that they are seeing Jesus in you. At the heart of who we are called to be is we are called to be people who reflect Jesus to those that we encounter. I, sh- I heard the story from one person today uh, that someone out of the blue came up to them and said, hey, would you pray for me? Well, yeah, I will pray for you. And can I just ask this of you? When, when you say you're going to pray for someone, make sure you do it. But let me just suggest another thing. Don't wait. Change, change the language and say, I would love to pray with you. See, there's a difference between, between praying for someone and praying with someone. Let us be that people who share life in such a way with people, not just for people. Can you imagine uh, the idea of, of preparing a meal for someone but never eating it with them? That makes no sense. Let's include people in these things that we are, are doing as a response to Christ. What does, what does this whole table talk, what does it mean for us in the church? Well, let me just say this. I am so excited that there are tables and round ones at that. Um, at the back of our sanctuary, I know that this is not your typical sanctuary. If you're visiting with us today and uh, you've come from a, a more traditional-looking church, um, you thought, huh, tables, that's weird. Yeah, we're weird here. Um, that's okay. We, we're living into that. But I, I love the fact that we have tables. If nothing else, they are symbols and reminders to us of what's supposed to happen around them. So next Sunday when you walk in or this week when you walk in for something, would you just take a moment and recognize the tables and be reminded that we are table people? We'd probably fill this room with tables if we had enough room. We couldn't fit all you around tables in this room, but that, which is a great problem to have. But what does it mean? Uh, in three weeks, we're going to gather at the table. And when, when, when you're in the church and you hear the word or the phrase the table, what we're talking about is, is uh, communion. Uh, in, in three weeks, it's kind of our habit around here to uh, receive communion at the f- on the first Sunday of every month. 
so just kind of weave that into the rhythm of your schedule and expect that uh, the first Sunday of every month. Now, there are those who we've had this conversation that would love to see us do it every week, and they're probably right. Uh, but that would really change um, how we do things, and maybe we need to change it. I don't know. That's a discussion for later. But in three weeks, we are going to gather around a table. And on that table will be two things primarily. There will be bread and there will be juice. And uh, the table here is open to everyone. Everyone who recognizes they are in need of Jesus. And we're going to invite you to come. And it's at this table that I want you to consider a few things that are, are really, really important. One, as we come to the table, the table, but I think it's true of all the, of the tables, we are encountering who God is. We're encountering his body. We are sharing in his body broken for us and blood shed for us. And, and I, I, can we just transport that into the tables in our homes, the tables in restaurants, the tables in workplaces, and, and ask can we encounter God at those tables as well? There might be bread and juice. That might be a little weird at work. I don't know. Um, but if nothing else, can we be a people who share our lives? Can we allow our bodies to be broken for others? Can we allow our, our lives to be poured out for others? As we gather at that table, there's going to be a moment where you're going to have bread and you're going to have juice and you're going to have to be uh, cognizant of the fact that, that these are the, are, are, are the gifts of grace that God has for us. Can we be gifts of grace at tables, at lunch today? Sometimes being a gift of grace at a table has everything to do with the people gathered around that table, but sometimes it has everything to do with the people who approach that table. And can I just say this? There are people who serve us on Sundays and during the week who need us to be gifts of grace to them. Um, I have a good friend, and in college, he uh, was a server at uh, the Olive Garden. Uh, and he, he loved Jesus. He was great. Um, he was just, he was living missionally into that workplace. And uh, he shared with me that his coworkers hated Sundays. It was the worst day of the week they didn't want to work it because christians notoriously are horrible tippers we come into church we come in in all of our fancy digs and we sometimes are rude um, we are short with them and i just want to say this that can't be us that can't be us we need to be gifts of grace to those at the table and around the table in the same way that god is a gift of grace to us at the table there are times, and this takes a little bit of preparation and planning, but um, tip well. And can I just say this? Um, don't let your only tip be a little pamphlet that says how much Jesus loves them. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. If, if you're going to put a pamphlet about how much Jesus loves them, that's fine, but make sure you put a lot of money in it. Okay, all right, uh, but uh, we need to be gifts of grace, and sometimes it's simply our conversation. Uh, I was at a meal with a group of guys up in Michigan, and our waitress came over and took our order, 
And uh, she then brought our order to us. And before she left, she said, is there anything else I can get for you? And we turned to her and I said, actually, we're about to ready to pray for our meal. Is there anything that we can pray for you for? Her eyes got really big. She'd never been asked that question before. But we prayed for her that day and learned about her story. You see, we learn about people at tables. If we go into those tables with, um, with intention. We, we confront God in his holiness at tables uh, and our, our need at tables. But we are also reminded of the other people that sit at the tables with us. We've just come through the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, parties, all sorts of stuff, gathering with families. And I am very well aware that there are many of us, maybe in this room, but I know definitely there are people who do not like family gatherings because of the people that they're going to have to sit there with. I know it can be tough, but I think there's a reason why we sit at tables with people who are even the tough ones. Again, I think we are to be those people who are gifts of grace because if Zacchaeus can find change at the table, I wonder what can our family members and our friends, our neighbors find at our tables? I think we're finally getting settled at our house. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to meeting our neighbors. I, I met our neighbors uh, to our left, looking out of our house to the left. Um, I, I don't know a lot about them, but they're either Indian or Pakistani. Um, I met her, met her daughter, met her grandson, and I am looking forward to sharing life with them. And maybe, just maybe, having the, the, them at our table. I hope that'll happen with a lot of people in our neighborhood. Um, but, I, but I wonder... Do we recognize that around this table we are completed by other people who aren't like us? I would n encourage you, when you sit down for a table, linger there. Linger there a little longer. Here's the phrase, linger longer. Can you say that? Linger longer at tables. Don't be in such a rush. Uh, one of the, the big cultural things in Scripture is that there was no fast food. There were no drive-ups that you would ride your donkey through. Meals took some time. M meals rarely were ever eaten by, by someone's, by themselves. People ate together. And so in the same vein as our Chinese brothers and sisters, can I just encourage you, to sit down at a table and not be in a rush to get up. Um, teens, can I just talk to you for a second? Kids that are in here. Um, sometimes your mom and dad uh, wants you to sit at a table. And it's not because they're trying to force you into something. It's because they actually like you. <laughs> and they, they, they want to eat with you. They want to hear your stories. Um, so I'll tell you, if you want to, blow the socks off of your parents. Can I encourage you to do this? Take your phone, leave it in another room. <laughs> I get some amens from the parents. No, but seriously, I know teens, you're like, oh, pastor, come on. You know, you're not one of those guys, are you? I'm, no, no, I'm serious. Take some time to ask mom and dad questions. Say, mom, what was it like... Um, when you were dating dad? 
You might learn a lot. What was it like for when you were a kid, when you were my age? Dad, wh- what was it like when you first saw Mom? <laughs> oh, my. Woo! Um, wh- what was it like when you were my age? And I know us older people, we just, we don't get it. You know, life is not the same today as it was yesterday. And I I actually think that that's true. But there are things that your parents know that can be of great help to you. So, uh, kids, teens, young adults, um, take the initiative and ask a parent to sit down for a meal. Um, kids, here's a crazy one. Ask, uh, ask, hey, mom, can we go out for a meal? Yes. I am sure your mom would say, yes, I would love to go out on a meal with you. And parents, can I just say this? If your kids come and say, hey, I'd like to have a meal with you, don't say no. Don't say, I don't have enough time. Don't say, I've got, I'm I'm too busy right now. Because there will come a time at which you will realize they're gone. Tables are important things. Um, Another thing that we are going to encounter when we come to the table in a couple weeks is that we come with open hands. Um, I would encourage you to be thinking about this uh, for the next three weeks. You're going to stand up from your seats. You're going to come down an aisle, and you're going to come to elements that are being given to you. Um, And I, I want you to think, what does it mean for us to be people who come to God with open hands? not clenched fists. Um, uh, To be a really good missionary, you need to be willing to try some things that you may not like. My dad has some amazing stories. The one that gets me is there's a a soup in in Hong Kong, China. Uh, it's, It's chicken foot soup. Sounds good, huh? Basically, what we're talking about is chicken broth and chicken feet. Imagine that, chicken foot soup. And I remember watching Dad the first time that was set in front of him. You know, He was a missionary. I was not. So there was no way I was trying that. <laughs> but I remember him watching what others were doing. And he put that foot in his mouth, and he did what they do. Sometimes you will gather at a table, and you will encounter something that is outside your comfort zone. I think um, the table of our Lord is, is no different. There will be times when we will gather at the table, and we will recognize that God's body broken body for us is something that's hard to swallow at times. How, why in the world would God be willing to do that for me? When we think about his blood being shed, uh, there's a couple ways that that we can do communion. Um, One of them that I have been a part of uh, a bunch is where the person receives a piece of bread and they dip it in in the juice. One of the things I love about that is when you bring that bread up out of the juice, you have this 
juice-saturated piece of bread, which reminds me a whole lot of what Christ's broken body probably looked like. I don't know about you, but when I come to receive that from my Lord, that's tough. But I am so thankful that he was willing to do that for me. See, we come with open hands to receive what God has for us. We don't come with our own agendas. We don't come with our own plans. We come because God has it for us. And so as we think about this, as we think about over the next four weeks, um, what we're going to do, I want to ask you this question. What do you expect will happen at the tables in your life? I want to close on on this on the on these couple questions. We're going to pray and then we're going to get out. And I'm going to I'm going to encourage you to go try this sermon on. Who do you need to invite to a table this week? Whether it's in your home, at a restaurant, where the case may be, who do you need to invite? Who whose invitation do you need to respond to? Who someone who's been saying, "Hey, I'd love to get together with you." Who do you need to say, okay, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down with you? Who needs to gather around the table with you? And then also, I, I want you to think about this. What is the potential of that gathering? Is it simply to stuff our faces with food? Or is it to share life in such a way that we will become forever different? What will the encounters at tables look like in your life over the next three weeks? As we think about this, I I want you to, to prepare. I want you to think about what you need to do to get ready for life change at tables. Uh, Group life is starting in a couple weeks. Maybe you have been um, less than eager about jumping into a group. Maybe this session, you want to sit around a table with some people and learn how God has gotten a hold of their life. One of the most common things that I've heard from people says, well, I'm good with God. I don't need a group. Well, that's great. That means that that group needs you. And so let me just throw this out there. Church, real life people gather around tables. Because we believe that God changes lives there. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, you know the tables of our lives. You know what they look like. You know where they are. You know if they're buried under stuff. Lord God, I pray that you would help us prepare our tables to be more than just filing cabinets and catch-alls. But Lord, help us to clear off our tables. Help us to be the people who welcome the Zacchaeuses to our life. Help us to be willing to go out of our ways to invite those who maybe are difficult, but also those who are easy. Lord God, I pray that the tables in life would be those moments and those places where heaven and earth meet 
and all of eternity is changed. The round table was where Camelot hinged on. It was the pivot point. Everything kind of centered around that. God, I pray the same thing in, in our own lives. May we have our own round tables in which we gather with people. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would have your way with us. Lord, help us to live life. Help us to live life like only. Help us to live life the way you've destined us to live. Lord, where are your people? Fashioned and shaped by you. And may your will be done in our life. 